Hi guys, welcome back to North Point Plus. We are on episode 114. My name is Jenna Dufresne and I am the children's minister here. And today we have... You don't know my name? You've worked here for months and you haven't learned my name yet, Jenna? Really? I just can't remember. Oh my word. Jeez. I know, I'm awful. Yeah. Well, it's Jake Howard. (laughs) Thanks so much, Jenna. Making me feel cared about there. Yeah. Hey! Hey! (laughs) What? You're leading this. You I get to ask the questions. It. Yeah. How are the mic? So, so we had an awesome Sunday. We had our uh, second Sunday. We got to meet a lot of new people. We did. That at was the fun. We're seeing a huge growth. Yeah, we had a lot of people come from uh, some Fall Fest people there. That was cool. I enjoyed that. Getting oh. to know people. Oh, yeah, we're seeing it a lot in uh, children's ministry. A lot of new people, and it's been awesome to see more nice. people attending. And I love that we had volunteers that we're showing Jesus to people at that event. And I really think that is a huge reason why people are coming is because we're being like Jesus. And that kind of goes into what you taught. I was waiting for the segue. (laughs) I'm sitting here just thinking like, how is she going to tie this in? Where's this going? Yeah. So keep, keep it going. I want to see. That's how it it is. That was it. Yeah. We showed Jesus and we scattered. Oh, okay. Into what you taught about this Sunday. Nice. I'm I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to see how you're doing your segue there. I was like, where's she going with this? Yeah, I did talk on Sunday, uh, and we talked about scattering a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. Uh, so we talked Sunday. We're wrapping up. We got, I think, one more week uh, next week um, for our Blueprint series. We spent a lot of time here, uh, about two and a half months, I think, in total is what it'll be, uh, going through the Blueprints here, talking about the early church in Acts. Um, and so we talked a little bit. I think it was Acts ch- uh, chapter 8, verse 4 was kind of our main passage there that we looked at. Um, but but before then, we dove into Stephen, uh, the story of Stephen, and how he was one of the people that, from what Rick talked about last week, was uh, kind of that deacon position. They got brought up to take care of the orphans and widows and have those systems in place. And uh, Stephen was a great leader. He was loved. He was, you know, uh, diehard for the gospel. And uh, he eventually was teaching the gospel and had false accusations, got arrested, and then wound up being murdered. Um, he was stoned to death. They threw rocks at him until he died. Um, if you didn't know what stone means, that's that's what that means. And um, that kind of shook the church, um, as you would think, because that really was the catalyst that started persecution for the early church uh, with a guy named Saul, um, who keep on reading through Acts. He becomes Paul and a great missionary and writes most of the New Testament. But at this moment, he's the guy killing off the church and throwing people in prison. And um, so what does the church do in response to that, that had been based in Jerusalem for the longest time? Uh, They scatter. They start looking for safety. Um, But the cool part is when the persecution comes, they don't just like leave the gospel. They don't leave the church. They don't just totally disengage with the hardship. Instead, they scatter and it says they continue to preach the word. Um, And that's an incredible thing, I think, for us to take. So we kind of drew a little bit off the analogy of Dan Dandelions. I got to talk about my um, lack of prowess in and yard how work. You're a dandelion killer. I do hate dandelions. dandelions. I had a conversation with my wife again yesterday about it, and she was like, "Did you tell everybody about the dandelion thing?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And she goes, "Yeah, we need to stop that. We need to have dandelions still. Like our daughters love dandelions." And uh, come next spring, uh, I'm still gonna kill them. I don't know if you remember this when I was visiting in my incognito visiting North mm-hmm. Point. Your daughter, I was over at your house playing mm-hmm. with the kiddos and just getting to know you yeah. and Ashley, your daughter, Addie, came up to me. It was like, here you go. She gave you those little dandelion flowers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I like set it down because, you know, it's a dandelion. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, she goes up to me later. There's your dandelion. That's right. So Crush you. That's how it feels. Now imagine if there was a field full of those and you just murdered them and she gives you that same little look. 
you would feel bad, but you know, over the years, I'm a little more callous to it now. So there you go. I hate dandelions. That's all there is to it. But I do think we should all be dandelions as a church. There you go. Scatter. There you go. So that was kind of the connection piece of it there. So yeah. How amazing is it that because of what people did 2,000 years ago, mm-hmm. that we are able to sit here mm-hmm. and have a conversation about Jesus, about Stephen, about Saul Paul, because they yeah. So did they scatter because they had the mission of God, like, oh, I got to go tell people? Or did they scatter because it was no longer safe to live where they were at? Yeah, I think if you look at the early church in Jerusalem, they were there and they were doing, uh, having gospel conversations. They're making a difference. Like it was growing, it was thriving. Um, but when Jesus left, he said, you know, hey, go to Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and the church wasn't hadn't at that time i won't say they weren't ever going to but the church was really based in jerusalem and this was that catalyst event that really pushed them into other realms and as you continue to read on uh the church grows from from just the jewish regions uh, the jewish people um the gentiles start to get a be a part of that peter has his vision um you know you have the the romans i think it was the roman centurion i can't remember the name but um that he begins to spread the gospel to. And then obviously uh, when Saul becomes Paul with his conversion experience and begins to plant churches everywhere. Uh, but up until this moment, it was really in Jerusalem. Like the church hadn't gone anywhere. And it was actually because of persecution that it begins to spread out. It begins to scatter into other regions and into other areas. Um, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem for the most part. We know from church history they began to spread out a little bit as well too um, to oversee different areas. But this was kind of that catalytic moment, and it was the death of of Stephen that began to start it. Yeah. I Did you ever watch the Bible TV show? That was on Netflix when I was in middle school, so possibly when you were in college, maybe out of college. When you were in middle school. So that was like, what, last year? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah. See, age jokes, age jokes. You give the old guy jokes to me, I get I to give the young hard. whippersnapper jokes <laughs> to you. No, I don't think I've seen the, the, the what on Netflix? It was, it was called The Bible. Like, that's mm-hmm. just what it was called. Yeah. And before I was a Christian, I watched that show because I yeah. was curious, you know, what is it that people are talking about? But I, every time I hear about Stephen, I remember the episode of him getting stoned. Now, was this like a cartoon type thing or was this no, like was actors? Like, yeah. Like real live action. Like when you talk about oh, Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. I see this guy with makeup on. Oh, yeah. Like that's how I remember the Bible uh. is through TV shows. But every time yeah. you, because I'm a huge visual person. Um, every time it's talked about seeing Stephen and him being persecuted, um, I automatically go back and think of his face in the show and what it looked like. Yeah. And the weirdest, like how they portrayed it was he had joy mm. in his face. Sure. As you know, because they're not showing everything in the TV show, mm-hmm. but he looks up like you talked about and saw Jesus. Yeah. And getting to see that in his face and understanding that story and through this. I think if if you don't go watch it, it'll definitely make you want to go share more because that was his mission mm-hmm. was to want to go share the gospel. Yeah. And so that kind of ties into our question that we have for today is somebody said, I've heard the phrase a missional community before. It sounds like you were talking about that. Are missional communities a good thing? Something I should be thinking about doing. Yeah, so this is kind of one of those, uh, I would I would label it like an obscure Christian term in Christendom, mm-hmm. uh, words that we have that uh, 
people are like, what, what, what even is that? There's some people that are, know what a missional community is. There's some people that have their own definition for it. Um, and there's some people who have no idea what we're talking about when yeah. we would say missional community. So I think it's important we'll kind of define how I would define missional community because I'm the one with the microphone, so I get to define the word. There you go. Yeah. Um, I'd say it's a small group of Christ followers uh, who uh, build a group made up of non-Christians with the desire to intentionally pour Jesus into them with the hopes that they will become Christ followers. Yeah. So it would be, we have life groups. Mm-hmm. We're a church uh, made up of, of lots of different groups. Life groups is one of the core groups that we would look into, men's ministry, women's ministry, student ministry, care groups, all of those kinds of things that we, we care about as well. Um, so we, we get the group life. We think it's important. People go further, faster, uh, spiritually connected with other people. Uh, I would say missional groups would agree with that mentality as well. The difference on that is uh, missional groups are really with the idea of, hey, we are formulating mm-hmm. a few of us getting together with the idea that we're going to invite other people into our group that they get to hear about the gospel, that we're going to actually be intentional about sharing that. It's very evangelistic in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the, the purpose that's there with missional groups. It's to go out. It's that out mindset. It's it's evangelistic, all of those kinds of things. So um, one of the questions, uh, what did it say in here was, are they are they are missional communities a good thing? Are they good? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, absolutely. I think they are good. Um, I think being intentional about building relationships with others for gospel purposes is a good thing. I think some people may be called to that. Some people may um, be gifted for that kind of thing. Um, I think it's a great way to spread the gospel. It can be effective. A lot of churches are actually birthed out of missional communities. So I think when missional communities become highly effective, what do they do? They wind up becoming a church. Um, You see there's different movements. I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Shane Claiborne. He's out of uh, Philadelphia, I believe. Um, and he's got kind of a movement that started, I mean, decades ago now uh, with how they've done stuff. They're kind of like a missional community. Um, they kind of they all live together. They share everything. But they wanted to be really evangelistic to kind of the least of these or poorer neighborhoods in the Philadelphia area. Um, and they've kind of gotten their own thing. I can't remember the name of the organization or what they call themselves. But And he's kind of a big movement on part of that. So he's an example of missional communities. He's The way that they do it doesn't mean that's how everybody does missional communities. Um, but he's one, um, like I said, a lot of churches have been birthed out of there. Um, and there's a lot of places that are using this, this strategy and this mindset is helpful. Um, I think especially for places that are highly unchurched, um, because it's kind of a, a, easy way to come in without a lot of structure in place and do church, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, But eventually all kind of my experience, at least to the same place when it's done effectively, Um, similar like a house church movement, Mm -hmm. kind of they're they're similar, not the same. Um, Should you do it was the question that's in there. Uh, My answer to that is I have no idea. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if you should do it or not. Maybe Um, I don't want to speak for the Holy Spirit because he's done a really good job of speaking for himself. Mm -hmm. So I usually just let the spirit talk and do his thing. Um, I don't think it's for everyone. Um, I think we all have a call as Christ followers to live missionally, uh, to be aware of the areas that we are we're scattered into, the relationships that we have, the people within our spheres uh, of influence and how the Holy Spirit might be working in their hearts and in the lives of the people around us. Um, I don't think you have to be a part of a missional community uh, to do that effectively, but it is one method of reaching people with the gospel. Um, mm-hmm. So this isn't the only method. This is just one method that you can use. Uh, if there's a risk, I would say to be aware of the importance of still having people in your life that are pursuing Jesus. Sometimes uh, within the missional community, you're surrounding yourself with people who aren't followers of Jesus um, with the hopes that they will be. That's great. That's fantastic. I think there's also the other side of that coin of 
man, you want to make sure that your circle, the people that you're with are following after Jesus, because why? We influence each other so much. We told people in student ministry all the time, hey, your best friends should be Christ followers, not your only friends, right? Like, mm-hmm. don't just inundate yourself into this little uh, haven. But at the same time, yeah, at yeah. the same time, though, you need to have people who are pursuing Jesus. Uh, we said that especially with teenagers because they're so impressionable, mm-hmm. but we all are, you know? Oh, yeah. um, and if we're pursuing after Jesus, man, my closest friends, they are Christ followers, but I have plenty of friends that are not as well, you know? Um, so the early disciples, I mean, they understood this. They went out in pairs because they knew the need for encouragement and accountability from one another um, to not get discouraged or to get distracted. So um, some people uh, are a part of a missional community, and maybe they're listening to this, um, and they're thinking, man, are you really, like, criticizing the missional community for being too evangelistic? Like, you know, there are some groups that are all discipleship, and they're not yeah. evangelistic at all. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's some validity to that, I would say. Like, that's a, that's a fair criticism in some ways. Uh, the reality is, I think all groups, all people need both. Uh, I think the right answer is both. You need people in your life that are pursuing Jesus with you, and you need people in your life that you can pour into the love and the gospel of, of Jesus as well. So the right answer is a both and. So uh, either way, uh, just being aware, uh, whether you're in a missional community or have a, a life groups or however lean that you may prefer, um, the reality is it takes both that discipleship and that evangelism piece in mm-hmm. conjunction. It's really not one or the other. I think missional communities lean a little more evangelistic. Great, fantastic. That's cool. That's one way to do it. So I remember um, when I went to a church down south, our, their student ministry, we would plan about once a month, we would get our student leaders, they would come together and we'd say, okay, we're going to go to the mall. Mm-hmm. And all we're going to do is just go up to random people and share the gospel. And I loved it because you saw people who were in seventh grade, because that's how it is, seventh mm-hmm. is middle school down there, all the way to their senior year of high school, just on fire, just wanting to preach and preach and preach and share sure. the gospel with everybody. So... Say if I am nervous about sharing the gospel, Mm -hmm. you know, because not everybody goes to a Christian Bible college like Mm -hmm. you and I. Yeah. And one of my classes that I had to do was uh, Evan 101, where you stand up in front of 400 students and you share your story and you share this is the gospel and practicing to share. Not everybody gets to do that. Not everybody has that. Yeah. So if I'm feeling nervous about sharing the gospel, what would be some easy tips that you would give people? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I remember in college, there was a a group like you're trying to make connections with people, right? Trying to make build friendships and stuff like that. And there was a group that uh, I forget what it was, but they had something along the idea of um, they wanted to have an emphasis on sharing the gospel. And I was like, all right, I'll go check this group out and see what it's about. And I remember when I got in the room, the guy who was the leader there was just enthralled. There was like five of us, I think, in there. Yeah. And he was just so excited to have all of us there in his group. And he said, man, this is just really pumped up right now. Man, uh, here's what I want to do. I just want to go to Walmart, and I just want to go share the gospel with yeah. people tonight. Yeah. Um, and so what happened was him and three of the other people went in their cars and went to Walmart to share the gospel, and Jake didn't go. Uh, I was not doing that. Um, not that they were wrong or bad, or that's just not yeah. me. That was not how I wanted to do it. I think the sharing the gospel is most effective in the context of relationships. Um, I have been to way, way too many sporting events with the guy holding the signs or people that like give you a track but don't look you in the eye kind of yeah. thing and all that. And, and look, I'm not saying that there's not some realm for those kinds of things. I just think that there's much more effective ways 
to do it. And it gets in the context of relationships. And so like we talked about on Sunday with um, the idea that we've been scattered. We gather together as a church on Sunday mornings. We gather in life groups and then we scatter back into our everyday lives. And the reality is there are tons of opportunities within there for us to share the gospel in the relationships that we already have with mm-hmm. people that we're already rubbing shoulders. Um, maybe it just means being a little bit more intentional in those relationships. You know, if you see the same people at your kid's soccer game or band practice or whatever it is that you're going to see all the time, maybe it's intentionally building the relationships with those people that you're constantly going to rub shoulders with. Maybe it's with those coworkers. Maybe it's people that are on your sports teams or clubs or book clubs or whatever it may be. You're crafting stuff. I don't know. Whatever it is that you're rubbing shoulders with. Um, and I don't think you have to like have a full understanding of the entirety of the Bible, you know, the entire gospel picture to say, hey, all right, now we're going to start with Adam and Eve, and then we're going to work our way through Numbers, and then the Kings, and we're going to get to the Prophets, and the Wisdom Poetry, and the, you know, then the actual Gospels, and then the Letters, and then we're going to talk about the end of the world. You don't have to do that with somebody, right? Um, You just share your Jesus story. You just look at it and understand, what was your life like before Jesus? Why did Jesus, why did, like, you have that moment that Jesus mattered to you, and how's it been since then? Like being able to talk through all those kinds of things and share your Jesus story. People can't refute your story. You might not have all the other answers. Now, it's important to know, right? Bible talks about being ready to give an account for your faith. So I'm not saying like don't ever dive into the Word. Don't ever do apologetics. Don't ever understand more about Scripture. Yeah, do those things. You should. That's growing in there. The Bible also talks about going from milk to meat, like growing as as children grow, Mm -hmm. grow into Scripture. So I think it's there, but I think, you know, for me, um, if you're nervous or all those kinds of things, look, start with the people you know best and share your story. Like that's Mm -hmm. the most effective way to do it. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have like this moment of commitment at that night when you feel like you've had those kinds of things. Uh, I've talked to friends several times. I used the analogy on Sunday about Skyline Chili. I love Skyline Chili. I'm from Cincinnati. When you're born in the hospital down there and they give you a bottle, it's full of Skyline Chili. Like that's how they do it for you. Kansas City and uh, you will be, yeah, yeah, exactly. Kansas City barbecue. Yeah. Um, and so like all of those things are there. I can talk about that all day long. I have people that, man, I have to tell them 10 times up here that I'm like, no, just try Skyline Chili Dip. Don't even go to like the whole noodle thing or the chili dog thing. Let's talk about like a, like a chip dip with Fritos. You know, it's like the gateway drug. I love it. I really want some Skyline Chili, uh, apparently, because this is all I'm talking about. (laughs) But I can talk about them. But there are people I talk about 10 times before they're willing to even try it. Yeah. And some of them are like, wow, Jake, you actually like know what you're talking about here. This is actually not bad. And there's other people that are like, I think I'm going to throw up. I'm going to be sick. What is wrong with you? Why would you ever put that in there? And I realize that they have bad taste, right? So it's okay. They're wrong. They can be wrong. It's delicious. You know, similar in some ways, I'm going to tell people about the gospel and they're going to be like, ah, it's just not for me, right? Okay, you know, they can be wrong, like in the most loving manner possible. And other people are going to fall in love with it. But it's just the recognition that you don't have, it's not a one-time moment. It's built into a relationship. It could be multiple conversations. Mm -hmm. It's feeding along the way, all of those kinds of things too. Yeah, if if you know me, I always try to give any opportunity to talk about my dog, Brody, Mm -hmm. my massive horse he's a horse yeah massive horse of a dog um and so a lot of our time at home is spent at the dog park Mm -hmm. that is bait i'll take my computer out there even in this weather i'll take my computer out there and just type in new work Mm -hmm. and let's talk in february about that by the way i want to revisit this snowing yeah he eats the snow Mm -hmm. and i think he's gonna live move out there um (laughs) and i will be stuck 
out there. Yeah. But um, that I, before I moved, I was praying and I was like, hey, God, like make this apartment complex kind of my missional field. You sure. know, let this because that's where honestly my biggest influence sometimes besides children's ministry. There's people you're rubbing shoulders with, yes. neighbors, people. It's just your close quarters. You're going to get to know a little more. Yeah. Yes. And there is this one girl. Um, she works kind of night. She's a bartender at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And so she has a dog. She's the same age as me. She's also 21. Mm -hmm. And um, and so she goes to community college. And so she has kind of been my person that I'm yeah. like you will be a really good Christian. You just don't know it yet. Mm -hmm. And, um, but we started, I started sharing the gospel, not being like, do you know Jesus? You know, and doing that rather it was, I met her need and her need was her dog barks anytime yeah. she's gone for a long period of time. Um, and so I was like, Hey, let me take out your dog for you. And when I met that need, it opened up, a friendship in a way and a conversation started. Yeah. Because like with yours in Skyline Chili, mm -hmm. you could tell anybody about that. And that's how you start the conversation. Sure. Like, hey, do you know what I'm more passionate about? Sure. Jesus. But and that's a great way I think for us to start talking about Jesus is if you want to do the relationship bit, mm -hmm. build that relationship, meet their need or something like that. And that's how I've always tried to do it. Yeah. Just because I get nervous sometimes yeah. when I share the gospel. Well, with you you want to share out of your overflow is the big thing. Right. Like the things that I'm most passionate about are going to overflow out of me. I have my Ohio State cup on here right now because people know I love Ohio State. Like yeah. I can talk about it all the time. I came in this morning and was talking with Rick. And, you know, what do we do basically every Monday during football season? We got about 10 minutes where we just chat about the, the Ohio State or the game or this or that, you know. Um you know, there's, it's a deer hunting season right now, so it's a very natural thing for a lot of people to talk about hunting and, and what did they see and what are they using and, like, all of those kinds of stuff, where do they go, um, all that kind of stuff. And they're just natural overflows of this part of their life. Man, when Jesus is is so important to us mm -hmm. and we're actively engaging in a, in a genuine relationship with him, there will be overflow that's going to happen on other people. Yeah. Like, that's going to come out of who we are as a natural thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's okay. Like, I think that's how it should be for the most part. Yeah, I've had conversations where people are like, Jenna, this is a lot, especially in high school. Um, think with your mind. What do you think? Not mm -hmm. what Jesus tells you. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then I would always respond, well, what I think is things that don't align, mm -hmm. you know. If I got mad, my initial thought, you know, in the flesh isn't yeah. going to be God honoring. So that's why it's important for me to always go, okay, what does God say? Mm -hmm. And so, but because of that, it's overflowing in our decisions, right? Sure. Jesus should overflow in our decisions, should overflow in things like that and have that. So when we have people in our day-to-day -day life that are like, stop talking about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I was told, you can say Jesus, but use the word hope and grace and love. That's how I was taught as a high schooler. But when we have people who are just like, man, Jenna, I really don't want you to talk right now about Jesus. What do you have to say? Or to somebody who's not really open to hearing the gospel, how would, how should we go about that? Yeah. Um, so like there's realms and stuff like that, doing some chaplaincy work that, you know, people know who I am when I walk into to some of these realms. Um, I had a guy um, working on an auto body shop. That whenever I would come in there and talk, like most of the time with these guys, I don't come in and I'm like, hey, what are you reading in the Bible today? I'm asking about their families. I'm asking about, you know, their hobbies and those things. But one particular guy I'd walk in and uh, he would avoid me like the plague um, all the time. 
which is fine. You know, uh, I was talking with Chris uh, Carter before about it, and Chris always had the mentality of, you know, you're going to be my friend. You're going to like me eventually. You know, I'm going to grow on you like like mold, right? And uh, so I walk in there, and he's working on the cars and stuff like that. And what does he do? He immediately goes and he starts letting all the air out of the tires. <laughs> So that it makes a really loud whistling sound yeah. so that we cannot communicate. We cannot talk. Yeah. That's fine. You're going to see me next week. I'll be back down and I'll continue to just say hi. You know, I'm not going to beat you over the head because I recognize uh, it's not my job to convict people yeah. for the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit. It's my job to scatter liberally. Um, and sometimes it's going to fall on deaf ears. Sometimes the timing's not right. But I'm going to trust that the Spirit is still working. God loves them more than I do. Um, and he may not use me to make that relationship connection. And that relationship connection may never come. People make their choices, right? The spirit convicts, he talks, and people still reject. Um, I'm going to let the spirit do his job. And so if people aren't willing to be a part of that, I'm not going to beat them over the head. I'm not going to go this, you know, all the time with those kinds of things. I'm going to have conversations out of my overflow of what means in my life. Um, but I'm not going to beat people to death with it because I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do his job. Yeah, you can't force anybody to become mm -hmm. a Christian. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can't for force my kids to eat their dinner, let alone somebody to come and worship Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit do that and let my wife Why figure not? out the dinner thing because I'm exhausted. Come on, kids. <laughs> How's that going? How's the adjustment? With uh, kids? Yeah. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm always tired, Jenna. There's nothing but coffee in this cup 24-7, and then I pass out at the end of the day when the kids are asleep. I'm tired, <laughs> Jenna. That's what it is. Too much. Yeah. They're adorable. I love them. Good. It's great. There's so many wonderful moments to be a part of it, and there's so many sleep-deprived, tired moments as well, but I wouldn't trade it for the world because I love my girls. Oh, yeah. I and love my girls. I am excited. I know Addie is, and especially Josie, Josie with her spunky personality, I am mm -hmm. excited to see them grow up and become like dandelions. Yeah, they're yeah. growing. Like the They're growing. Addie is getting, she's learning, and it's it's weird to see now. She's only four years old, but she needs us a little less yeah. than she did yeah. even in the spring, you know, starting school, a little bit more independence coming in there, things she can do on her own. And one part of me is like, that's really cool. And the other part of me is like, no, 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 you need me. You need me. I'm important. Come on, kid. Uh, but the Bible talks about a, a quiver full is a blessing. Like, you know, you put your arrows in the, in the quiver and stuff like that. But the ultimate thing that you do with arrows is what? You shoot them. You send them out. You know, it's not that they stay in there. You have this and you use these to eventually send out into the world. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to do with my girls. I want to have my three arrows that I get ready to send out into the world so that they can do their thing. Yeah, and I love about North Point is that we want to partner with parents yeah. to raise up the current generation. It's, that's yeah. what I always say. We are teaching the current generations to become like dandelions mm -hmm. and go spread the gospel. Yeah, for sure. Adults now today. For sure. And yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on North Point Plus, and we will see you guys this Sunday. Have a good one.